0: looked forward to to coming out here to, to our first time to Midland, Texas. So we've been in Texas a few other times, uh, but uh, this is the first time in the, the your neck of the woods. And so it's it's such an honor to be here. You might say my goodness, what is uh what is all this doing? <laughs> Where's the pulpit? <laughs> so we have a new pulpit. And so uh, next week I'll stick the pastor on and we'll spin him. No, no. Um, just, just teasing. I was, think, I was telling the pastor earlier we could have put all of the baptismal candidates up front and I could just soak them down, pass out some towels. We could have baptism, at, you know, two birds with one stone, but don't think so. Well, anyways... In Scripture, there's a lot of language that speaks about clay. And uh, 33 times clay is mentioned, 22 times potters are mentioned, and over 192 times vessels. Now, that depends on your translation, but that's pretty close. That's a pretty good average. And we see the language of clay from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And in fact, a good place to begin is in Genesis, and we won't stay there too long. But we, the language of clay is in Genesis, though it's rather surprising how it appears. Uh, we all recall of the first five days of creation, God spoke things into existence. He said, let there be light. There it was, and it was really awesome. And he said it was good. When God says something's good, it's good. And and he's not just an egomaniac. It was good. It had never been. And it was good. And all of the beautiful things that we see in creation, God spoke into existence. But on the sixth day, he, he used a completely different method in his creation. God said, and let us form man in our own likeness and in our own image. And it said, so God took the dust of the earth, and he formed man with his hands, and that's interesting because it didn't say that he used dust. I'm sorry, that he used dirt, and he did, or topsoil. Those are two very different words in the Hebrew, but he used dust because that technically is what clay is—the very finest of particles washed through topsoil. Or carried along by, river, by rivers and deposited along the sides of the rivers. Uh, Those—that's where most clay is. And basically, anywhere there's dirt, there's clay. But I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, you know, it's in it, the neat part about it is God used His hands to form us. Why? He didn't use His hands to form the animals. Because he didn't want a relationship with animals. He wanted a relationship with us. And after he finished forming us with his hands, it said that he breathed into man and he became a living soul. And many Hebrew scholars, uh, one wrote this, and I love it, and it said, God's breath upon man, that breathing that was mouth to mouth, was like the kiss of heaven on his creation. I love that. I love that. We are the crown of his creation. His love and his desire is to have relationship with us. It was from the beginning and it is now. It has not changed. I love Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our creator. He's the lover of our soul. And that hasn't changed. And as we look through time, when we get to Jeremiah, God used pottery to get the attention of one of his prophets because he wanted to speak something. In chapter 18, he said, go to the potter's house, and I'll speak to you there. And when the potter, out of obedience, went there, he may have, I mean, I presume that he was having his devotional time and he was maybe opening up some scrolls to read some scripture to Spend some time with the Lord. He said, no, go to the potter's house. I'll speak to you. And the Hebrew says, I'll give you my words. And so he was obedient and he went to the potter's house. And here's a picture today of a factory in Italy where uh, they're making pottery very much like what Jeremiah would have seen. In the next slide, there's dad working on something. Well, there wasn't a radio. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure they had to make their own music back then. But uh, we'll see him and and Grandpa loading the kiln later on. But this is very much like what Jeremiah would have seen. And as he began to watch the potter, on the potter's wheel the clay was marred. Something happened, maybe something in the clay. And he started over again. And he made a, a pot out of his desire. And know this, when God creates anything, it's out of the desire of his heart. When he created man, it was out of the desire of his heart. When he made every one of you, every one of you came forth out of the desire of his heart. He has a purpose and a plan for every one of you. And I just, oh, I love that. I have a dad in heaven that knows me. He's called me like he's called all of you. He knows your name. And I love that. God spoke to Jeremiah, he spoke to Israel, he wants to speak to every family. But when we jump over to verse 6, the Lord said, O Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And so just like God has a plan, and we're in his hands. Today we're going to take a look at what does it mean to be clay in the hands of the potter? What does a potter do with clay? You had a little bit of a picture of what that was like as you watched me shape this pot when we were singing, Change My Heart, O oh God. And I hope that for, as you sang that, that it became your prayer. That, and it's always my prayer, Lord. Sh- shape my heart. Take my heart in your hand. And let it always be soft for you to shape. So, anyways, let's first of all. And I was talking about what clay is and where clay. Clay's everywhere that there's dirt. You know, if you dig down, you'll find clay. I don't think there's a continent anywhere where there's not clay, and there's not a continent where there aren't people. And you know, as a potter, I've used a lot of different clays, and they're all very different. I love clay. I don't care. Give me a chunk of clay. And there's something in there. There's something really neat that's going to come out of this. I'll look at how much it is and go, Mmm, a casserole dish for a family of five. (laughs) Here we go. All right, are you ready? (laughs) And so, now to the naked eye, normally you don't see clay because it's under topsoil. And it's interesting in Ephesians, it says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk in the light. And so um, you can see now there's a light vein of clay. These folks are going to harvest, they're going to bring home some clay. And there's a light vein of clay up there. And you might say, well, that looks like dirt to me. But, oh, the trained eye of a potter. Oh, yum, yum, free clay. We're going home with clay, boys. And so... And notice how deep that is. That's almost 14 feet down. And some of you remember the day that you were um, the Lord called you. You may have been really deep down there in sin and really enjoyed it down there. And and I mean, I was not looking for God when He came looking for me. Believe me. Even though I was raised in a Christian home, at that time I wasn't interested. There was other things I was very interested in. <laughs> But God got my attention. And you know, it might, you may be so so deep down there, 14 feet, 15 feet, whatever. He can cause a mountain to just slide away and say, today, you're coming home. Today is your day. Today, and like, like uh, David said, you've taken my feet from the miry clay and you've set me upon a rock and you've given me a song. And God knows that very moment and that time when he calls you and you say yes. You know, and our life begins to, to change. Now, the other instance in which you would see clay is w- where there are small streams and areas where they have uh, monsoon rains. The summers are very hot, and the the streams, uh, well, in the desert, you know, it's that way. In in Tucson, there were uh, the Vera River has no water at all three quarters of the year. But man, when the monsoons rain, <laughs> man, that thing runs like crazy. We know what that's like. And so in areas, this was in Vietnam, uh, in an area after the monsoon rains, the topsoil is washed away by that water and large beds of clay are exposed. And here they've been harvesting quite a bit of clay. And so even though that clay is soft, the potter would never put it on the wheel and shape it because he knows there's impurities in the clay. Just like us, all have sin and come short of the glory of God. and the, the uh, impurities in the clay can't even be seen to the naked eye most of the time. Sometimes you can. But, uh, uh, so the potter wouldn't just take a nice soft piece of clay by, by the river and make a pot. Because two things will happen in the kiln. It will blow up into all kinds of pieces because that, that organic material is 60% water or more. So it creates a steam pocket and blows the pot up in the kiln. And guess what exposes all that sin, <laughs> all that badness in the clay, is fire. And you know folks that are religious. Maybe you work with them. And boy, they're working away and they smash their thumb with a hammer. And what comes out of here isn't praise the Lord. <laughs> a lot of awful stuff comes out because there's something their hearts have not been changed they haven't received Jesus they may be religious people religious people religion won't change your heart but a a living relationship with a God that knows you and made you is what changes God works on the inside and we'll see that later on the wheel how significant that is but it's so interesting how the clay has to be altered just like we we have to be changed in order to have a relationship with God, we have to receive that gift of eternal life. And this, it cost the Father the blood of His Son. And so in, in, the, um, in the picture of, of how clay is changed, once it's broke up into pieces like that and dried out, it's mixed with water into, into like a gravy. And it's put into large vats. And, and within days, water is just amazing the purifying agent of water because all those impurities begin to rise and they just float to the top. They're skimmed off and thrown away and we have nice pure clay. But even though there's nice pure clay, that clay could still melt in the kiln. Because the first firing, the pots are fired at 1,700 degrees. The clay will melt. And so even though the blood of Christ cleanses us from sin... And we're clean for that moment and that that time. What happens if we sin again? We could confess our sin and He's faithful and just to to cleanse us. But how can we come before the Father? We're not holy. How can we still stand before a holy God? Because we're not holy. And I love this part. When we receive Jesus and that sacrifice of his blood, the father goes, oh, oh, wow, the blood of my son. Oh, hey, Holy Spirit, come on, fill him. (laughs) Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. And see, holiness is not some living, a sinless, perfect life. Because basically, Dennis is not a holy guy. But when I received Jesus Christ, something holy uh, that the Father put within my heart, He gave me the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, He says, that's a good thing I'm going, guys, because the Comforter is coming. And I've got to go for you to get Him. For you to have Him, I've got to leave. So now, the Holy Spirit lives in me. So there's, there's something holy in Dennis. So I can come right to the Father. I can go into his presence and say, Boy, Father, I I have a busy day today. And I'm going to go to Midland, Texas, to Living Way Church. And Lord, Father, would you be with me? I want to represent you well. He said, Don't worry, son. I'll put my word in your heart. And you said yes to me. You've been faithful. You'll be faithful today. And I'll be with you. I'll put my words in my mouth. And you love those people like I do. So I'm going to bless them and I'm going to bless them through you so you, I'm with you son man I have a dad that will never die my dad passed on and he's with Jesus and I, my mom is there I've got a lot of people I loved through the years that poured into my life that prayed me into heaven <laughs> prayed and prayed and prayed and that's why I'm here I said yes to Jesus when I was 17 and I haven't stopped and he's been so faithful and he's like he's faithful with each one of you and so it's a great opportunity it's a great joy to be here and these are some pictures of salvation now you might say what is this table here this table is called a wedging table it's a very important table and something very very important happens here I'm going to begin wedging clay for a moment and so if you'll bear with me Why don't you sit over there? Say hi to all the folks. They're Texans. They're nice folks. Take my word for it. Okay, there we go. When I was younger, I could do this all day. <laughs> now, if you notice when I began, it was kind of stiff. But if you notice, I got, I got into a rhythm. That's what wedging is. And it's very important to the clay. Potter never takes clay right out of the bag and throws it on the wheel. Because it has to be prepared. But I have to know it's ready. I, I, In that process, I could feel how much water is in the clay. If there's not enough, I'll be sweating like bullets and fighting with that clay to get it to center. I'll probably tear chunks off it trying to shape it on the wheel because it's too dry. So water, from this point, refers to the Holy Spirit. There needs to be a balance the clay clay must stay in an environment in a moisture environment when God changes our life and I'm uh and he puts different things into us just like the potter has to put things into the clay so it doesn't melt in the kiln so it can be shaped so it can be fired elements are added to the clay when we're born again we're given the Holy Spirit he makes us part of a family, the church, That's that's more moisture, more of that environment. The clay must be in that. If it gets out of the environment, the moisture environment, it dries out. And the wedging of the clay is like what it says in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not automatic. I wish I could say that it is, but it's not. And as wonderful of a Bible teacher as John is, it, you cannot renew your mind by going to church twice a week. By if you go, go Sunday morning and Wednesday, that's not automatically going to renew your mind. But there's something that the clay must do because there's a spiritual man. And a spiritual man, just like a physical man, needs rest and sleep. We need to eat every day. We need to rest every day, and uh, we have, uh, this is acting funny, can you all hear all right? Wonderful, praise the Lord. We'll keep going then. So the wedging of the clay is very important, because what happens is, as I'm twisting and pushing on the clay, the clay is responding to my hands, you can't feel it, but when it started getting easier, I'm going, okay, Bessie, here we go. We're getting ready, and they've taken clay that's been processed in the bag, and it's Almost ready to go, but it's not been wedged. And they'll put electrodes in that clay and the needle doesn't move a bit. Not a, not a bit. And just with the amount of time that I wedged this clay, if I were to stick the electrodes into this clay right now, that needle would be dancing all over the place. Because what happened as I pushed and twisted, I pushed and twisted, I'm releasing a positive charge in the clay. It can be measured. It can be scientifically measured. When I read that, I went, oh, (laughs) glory. (laughs) When I spend time with you, Lord, do you mean you want to take my heart? You want to wedge, you want to soften my heart? You want to release in me a positive charge, a blessing for others? And that when I left your presence, I would be different. Because our devotional time, that time we spend alone with God in prayer, and in quietness is when we learn to hear His voice. That's where the renewing of the mind takes place. In His Word, in the in the quietness of His presence. It's like a, a wonderful steak that you put into marinade. Devotion, devotions are, is like marinade. Taking some marinade and, and just letting the sweetness of the Lord, let us soak up that yummy stuff. And His love, let His love just saturate our hearts so we walk away and people can, can experience His love and His joy. So wedging is very important and God's word is a part of that. The Bible says that God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. And it's the only book I've ever read that shows me what's in my heart. Now the neat part is I get to see what's in His heart. And he shows me what's in my heart, and then I say, "Lord, can I have more of your heart?" And he says, "Oh, I've been waiting. Sure, here's some more. See, I'm clean. How are you? <laughs> are you ready we're going to We're going to go on the wheel today. It's going to be really cool. There we go, and so we allow the lord God's word to examine our hearts and and the, you know, if we just read God's Word for knowledge, then all we're good for is to win an argument. And God isn't interested in how much knowledge we have, but He wants us to be transformed into His Son, into the likeness of who Jesus is. Just like Paul said in, in, in Galatians, I am in travail until Christ is formed in you. And so it's good to be pregnant. It's a wonderful thing. Something is going to give birth. God wants us to be fruitful and give birth to his son in our hearts and lives. So we look like him, we speak like him, we love others like him. We see the world like he sees it. And when he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, to have the mind of Christ is not just for the pastor. It's for every one of us. To know him, to be like him, to have that mind—it's it, not. He doesn't wave a carrot and say, uh, "You don't know Hebrew yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't prayed long enough. Well, you don't fast, so you don't get it." No, you know, <laughs> God's not that way. You, Amen. <clears throat> Now, are you ready? He's so excited. We've been talking about this on the wheel. And Today's like, oh, oh, boy, oh, boy. Today's the day. Now, now this, I pro- this will not hurt, I promise. Okay. There, see? He's really connected now. Now, water, again, Clay has to have water. And the, this is called centering If I don't use water, I'll just tear it right off the wheel. The centering of the clay is very, very important. If any of you have ever sat on a wheel, you know that if you don't center well, you can't throw very well. And so I liken the centering of the clay is like finding God's will. Notice the clay is moving. It's it's not static. It's not just sitting in one place. It's spinning on the wheel. So as we find God's will, we do it in the activity of loving others. We're almost there. There was just a little bit there that wasn't. there wasn't the going into center, and I used a tool. I used a tool just to cut away a little bit. Often, when uh, in loving others, it can be a hard thing to do, because there are some folks that are just hard to love. And and, and that's okay. That's sometimes that's part of human being human. But usually there's a wound in their heart somewhere that makes you get close to certain subjects and oh boy, look out, here we go. It's like all of a sudden we push a button and they start acting weird. And uh, or they pull back and they turn off and it's just like they check out of the room. They're there but (laughs) the lights are on but no one's home. And that's usually because of a wound and So I knew that this guy, you know, had some, some stuff from his past. And I sent someone along to, he, to help healing. You know, I noticed when we talked, when you would talk about a certain subject, you would get really upset. I, and I've been praying. And I know you have such a good heart and you just want to love folks. And I, I really see Jesus in you. Uh, but I believe that there's something that God wants to heal from your past. Can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, sure, man. And in that prayer, that healing occurred. And now, now he's free to love others. And he can now be a tool of healing for others. See, all of us, I'm going to use different tools. You, some of you saw me use this little guy here. We, we are all tools. We all have gifts. We all have a place in the kingdom where God will use us to heal, to bless, to encourage others. So tools, God uses tools. And did you notice, by the way, The Lord didn't say to the pot, Hey, you know, get over it, would you? I mean, you've been messing around with it, whining about this for so long. You Get over it already. Come on. No. uh, The potter, I was very gentle. I took my tool. I could feel it was off and gently. God's gentle. When he brings healing, he's not screaming and hollering. Potter does not get mad at the clay because he knows the clay. He knows our hearts. He knows our weaknesses. He knows exactly what we need in in given times. And I love that about about the Lord. The next step is called opening. And he invited me in, by the way, you know, like my servant David, he said, Lord, search my heart and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of righteousness. Well, actually, the way of everlasting. Ooh, that's kind of cool, huh? In an everlasting way. That's cool. I like that. See, there's not much in there. You've been doing so well. Wow, that's awesome. You know you're you're really awesome. It's neat to hear the Lord say you're awesome. Yeah, you guys are awesome. You know that? You guys are all awesome. Really awesome. Okay, now we're ready for throwing, and that's the shaping process. And uh, I'm squeezing on the clay here and lifting it up. There's one hand on the outside and one on the inside. But what's interesting here is the clay is always shaped from the inside there's pressure from the outside but the shaping is from the inside and it's like it says in philippians it is god that worketh in you to will and to do of his pleasure men look at the outward parents but god looks at the heart Okay. Well, there's just a little bit here that I'm going to have to take off. It's all right. This won't hurt. There you go. You had to take that little bit off. You'll be, you'll be just fine. Well, you know, last week when you were at the wheel or at the wedging table and you were reading about my servant David, and David said, Lord, would you enlarge my heart? And we were talking about that. You thought, well, well, Lord, how do you do that? I mean, don't we just all have, I mean, I have a medium-sized heart. And so how does your heart get bigger? And you were afraid to ask me. (laughs) And uh, that's okay. But I've noticed how you've been so faithful with that men's group and that Bible study. And uh, you were afraid to ask me, but that's okay. And uh, I'm going to enlarge your heart. So are you guys ready? You ready? Yeah? Okay, here it goes. Oh, and, and it won't hurt. I promise. I promise it won't hurt. Because you've been faithful in the little things. I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to send you out to be a blessing to others. That was just a skinny little pot, wasn't it? You know, often the Lord is just asking us, what what do you have in your hands? And when we dream and have a desire, maybe to go to, to a mission field, maybe to help in Honduras or somewhere, help a pastor uh, with an orphanage or building an extra room, uh, that, that desire in your heart, God put there. And he's waiting for us to ask, would you send me, Lord? Would you enlarge my heart? And he's going, oh, I've been waiting. The pastor's been praying and praying. They've been fasting, those folks out there. And they've had no help. You're the answer to their prayer. And today's the day we're going we're to go out, we're going to do this. And I'm going to use you. And so the Lord gives us things as we grow. Now, the next step. Oh, there. Yeah, here. Here's, uh, this is your church. I think that's the coolest picture of a church. Don't, don't you think so? Some of you are going, oh, what we bring in here? <laughs> I think he just fell off a turnip truck. No, notice how the pots are stacked all the way to the ceiling. In in Mark nine it says, all are seasoned with fire. And uh, in Second uh, Peter it says, why are you surprised by trials, by fiery trials that come as if they're a strange thing? You know they're not. We're all going to go through trials. We're all going to go through fire. And see, if this pot wants to be a beautiful pot like any of these that's useful, this guy here was all soft and gooey like that one. But in order for him to to be now useful, he's got to go into the kiln. And he'll go into the kiln one time, come out, and then the potter will begin to apply glaze. There's there's glaze, but if you might back up just one more, sweetie. Uh, The neat thing about uh, this reminds me of a time when my wife was very ill, and she would I would wake up, or she would wake up from a nap and she'd be paralyzed, or in the morning or after a nap we never knew. One, you know, from the neck down, from the waist up, one side we never knew day to day. If I'd come home for work, she'd be crawling trying to get to the bed. It broke my heart to see the wife of my youth fade away fading away. And the wonderful thing is how one day she's, (laughs) they go to church in a wheelchair, and folks go, whoa, what's happening? And we discovered that there were so many of God's people that loved us so much, that like the pots that are sitting on top of other pots, there were those in the church that carried us through that time with their prayers and their encouragement. Some of the sisters, we had Meals on Wheels, and they brought Uh, dinner uh, meals at times hallelujah (laughs) and they would come do a couple loads of wash some of the men would help do yard work or something what a blessing and through that time they carried us and after that season uh, ended the verse just you know rings in my heart in Galatians where it says bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ that's how you know you're growing it's not all about me and it's not all about you All of a sudden, you're tender in your heart because you've gone through something difficult and others have carried you and helped you through. So then your heart's tender and you begin to be aware of others that are struggling. Then you can become a pot. You can be someone to carry someone through their difficult time. Help them through their healing process. Because sometimes... uh, there are wonderful divine healings, voila, and you get the whole ball of waxes right there. Other times it's not that way. And, but in the, in the same way, God is there. God is always present with us through our times of difficulty, our times of darkness. He is faithful to never leave us nor forsake us. And so uh, if you go back, honey, to the, to the glaze... After the pot, now this pot over here has been bisque. It's gone through the first firing. It's rather dull. And if I were to put some baked beans in here, the first batch would taste not too bad. The second batch, hmm, the third batch would make me sick because it's not been sealed. And I can't get the food out of the pot. Once it's been cooked, it begins to seep into the clay. And then there's a bacteria called botulism, what makes you really sick. So sometimes we think, God, we don't, we don't know. I don't need the firings, I'll be fine. Thank you. No, thank you. Well, you better let the Holy Spirit finish his work or you're going to be defiled. You're going to make everybody sick because you think you've been burnt by someone and you draw back and go, well, them turkeys aren't going to burn me again. I'll still do my Sunday school class. I know Greek and Hebrew. They don't know the difference. And you pretend to love them. You can't pretend to love God's people. God won't let you. That bitterness is going to poison you and others. But God, God's faithful. He knows. When this guy says, "Boy, I miss feeling the Holy Spirit. I miss you, Lord. I want to love your people again. Because I, I'm, I, I can't hardly love you. I'm struggling, Lord." That hurt. They, they just burnt me bad and I don't understand it. He says, that's okay. That's what they did to my son. That's what they did to my son. And you can forgive them too. So you forgive them like my son forgave you. Okay, Lord. Okay. Back in the kiln. Pot's ready to go. Glaze the pot. Now, glaze is not paint. See, if I paint this with latex, ladies, none of you have glutton 's latex in your spice rack, do you? Any of you? Nope, not one of you. Powder or liquid. Because Glitton's is not a spice. If I use paint to, to cover a pot, it's going to affect the, the food. It's going to taste like paint. Glaze. The potter uses glaze that's powdered glass. And it will never, ever... Once the glaze, the pot's gone through the firing and the glaze has melted like glass, it seals the pot. It doesn't matter what I put in here. It'll never change the flavor. What a beautiful picture. Because it says in Corinthians, but we have this treasure in jars of clay that the all-surpassing power might be of God, not of man. When we've allowed the Holy Spirit to seal our hearts and do it His, God's way, we're sealed. And boy, when we... When the love of the Lord fills us up in His Holy Spirit, we can go out to the world and say, "Would you like a drink?" It's free. Because it doesn't in a word say taste and see that the Lord is good. And some of us at first maybe only wanted a sample. God doesn't come in a sample form. but other, but other Christians, other, they, other Christians have had, a, had something that we drank from, and we thought, "Boo, that tastes pretty darn good. Hey, I like that. What, what's, what happened? What happened to you? How come you're different? Well, it's Monday morning and you're singing. Good Lord, they got to hang over. And I go, oh, Monday morning. Oh, and i got to go to work. And you're in there just praising the Lord. Oh, it's another day. It's a great day. This is the beginning of a whole new week, man. It's awesome. And I can't wait. You know, i got this really cool project. Because see, when you work, when you're, when you're in love with Jesus, you don't work for your boss. You don't work for the company. You don't work for Hughes or Sunco, or any other big company, you work for Jesus. Amen. And you say, Lord, i got a job for you today, and help me do my best. Lord, and help me love all the people around here, even the cranky, hard ones, Lord. And, you know, I'll pray for them, and I'll sing a song. When they want to get rough and praise the Lord, we'll just deal with it. Sick them, Lord. Love on them. You know. Because the greatest thing that we have even when David said, you've taken my feet from the miry clay and you've set me upon a rock. And then what does it say two verses later? You gave me a song. We all have a song to sing to the Lord. He's given us all a song. And notice there's all different sizes and shapes and colors. All of it, Everybody here has a purpose. And he paints your life with a color. Because someone says, oh, I like that color. <laughs> God faith makes us all different because he made us to touch people. Nobody else on the whole planet can touch but you. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. That's incredible. And I, I think of myself. I, I was a dyslexic kid that couldn't read and I was mad at the world. I was mad at God for a long time, even when he, when he wrote a Bible, and, he, and I gave my heart to him. And I was even raised in a Christian home, and I knew I had to do business with God, and it was time to get, get it done. And I committed my heart, and then, I, boy, it was boxing time. I said, God, you had to write a book. You wrote a book. You know I hate reading, and I can't read. People have done nothing but make fun of me all through school, and I can't stand it. I, I'm smart. I'm not dumb, but I just can't take a stupid test. I can't spell or write or read. And you can't fight for very long. The morning I sat down, I remember I yielded. A Monday morning, I got up 45 minutes early. And I flipped on my lamp by my desk and I opened up the Bible. And I looked down one of the Gospels. And Lord is my witness. It was like somebody turned down the TV set. I could hear and see every word. And I, I mean, you could give me a book, any other book, and put it in front of me and say, I'll give you five million bucks if you'll tell me what's on this page. I couldn't. I couldn't for all the, all the tea in China. But when it, because I said yes to Jesus. I said, I want to know you. He wanted me to know him more than I wanted to know him. So he said, here's my gift to you, son. You can read my word and know me. Because I want you to know me, and I'm going to tell you who you are. You're not dumb. You're not a boy that can't read. You're one of my sons, and I'm proud of you. And every day of your life, if they were recorded in a book, I wrote them. And my thoughts toward you, if they were to be numbered, they're more than the sands of the sea. You're my son. You're a son of honor. You're a son I'm going to use because I love you, and I've created you, and I know everything about you. But then the voices of the world started to get quiet. When God tells you who you are, no one can take that from you. You could have generations of people saying, well, you're just like your uncle. You're just going to be a dumb drunk. Oh, you're just a hot-headed idiot. You're going to be just like your crazy old man. Just don't even think about it. Don't try to do nothing because you know you can't. Only one voice can silence that in your heart, and that's the Father God. That says, you're my son, you're my daughter, and that's not who you are. I did not make a loser. I made you to be victorious. I made you to shine in this earth like something brighter than could have ever been seen. There's no light brighter than your life. And you know, when you find who you are in God, there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more powerful than being all of you that God made. And He likes all of you. And he even wants to invade that part of your personality that you wish weren't there, wasn't there. Whoops, my English isn't good yet. It's still, I'm coming. I'm a slow train coming, but the wheels are turning. God's faithful. And you know, there was a time when I had my heart attack and I, I, was, I lost everything. I was going to lose my home. I couldn't work anymore. I was weak. And I thought, well, I'm whining and I couldn't get... My, wife was, my daughter was going to get married in Bismarck. I couldn't, put ga- I couldn't put gas in the car to go to my daughter's wedding, and I'm whining to my wife. I was trying to put some business together. Nothing was happening. She said, honey, you've been working so hard. And I had hands of the potter just part-time, and I, I couldn't make it work. And he, she said, honey, call a couple pastors. Maybe we can line up a few churches and finance our way and there and back. I went, hey, <laughs> Fine, I'm tired. This is frustrating. I'll try, I'll try that. That sounds, sounds kind of fun. In two weeks, I had nine churches lined up. And by the time we left, there were 14 churches. And we began a tour that began the beginning, a new beginning. God called us in the full-time ministry at a point when I was my very weakest, and I had nothing, nothing. And you know, it was like a few months ago. It was like somebody lit my life, on set a match to my life, and it was ashes everywhere. And I'm kicking through the ashes. I'm going, "Well, this is great." Well, I can't do nothing. What can I do, Lord? I'm going to lose my ho- my family, my I my mean, my wife. I can't take care of her. My house, where that's going to be gone. What am I going to do? And through that experience, the Lord gave us beauty for ashes. This is ash glaze. Isn't it pretty? And, and this plate here, it's a beautiful ash color. And if you give God the ashes of your life, He'll give you beauty. Ashes are the circumstances you can't control. This, clay is, this glaze is made out of clay, which is the heart, who we are, earthen vessel. But ashes are all the failures and the confusion and the things that we can't control. Out of our, they're, they're out of our control. You give Him your heart and no mashes. Only God... See, the bank didn't want my ashes. They didn't, couldn't care less. But Jesus said, I have a beautiful glaze for you, son. I'll take your ashes and I'm going to paint into your life the colors of heaven for all to see. There's no more joy. There's no greater joy than to find your calling and to find God begin to pour into your life and He is. He is is able to do abundantly above all that you could ask or think. It's time, church, to dream with God. It's time to give back those dreams, those desires. He knows them. He wants to bring them forth. Why? Because he wants your joy to be full. Jesus, as a baby, was born to die on a cross. That was an awful thing. But his reward was joy. And his joy was us. For the joy set before him. That's you and me. He saw us on the cross. He saw us in the pain. He saw us in the beating. In the cursing. In the spitting. He saw us. We were his joy. We nailed him to the cross. In his love he saw every one of us. And that was his joy. The Father rewarded him with joy. And Jesus says, now, Lord, give them the same joy that you gave me. Give them that same joy. Give them the love I have for you and the love you have for me. And here I am, just a potter, just an old mudslinger. This is me in Jesus, in God. You can't get any closer. There's nothing that can open those two hands. When you're in his hands, nothing can take it away. You can't lose it. Because he's able to keep that which you have committed unto him against that day. He's a faithful father that loves you. I'm going to close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for every life that's here, Lord, and the purpose that you have in every life. And God, I pray that your great love, we would know it. We would know your voice. We would know the tenderness that you have toward us and how you tenderly shape our hearts into your purposes, Lord. And even when it's painful, when we don't understand you're there and and your promises, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so we love you, Lord. We love you so much. Holy Spirit, come and consume your people with love for you. And Father, let let that love burn as a bright light that all of Texas can see. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful and you love us. Now, Holy Spirit, come and do only what you can do. Heal those that need healing. Deliver those that need deliverance. Fire of heaven, come upon your people. Glory fill this house and every life and every person here that they might be changed into your glory, that our lives might release an aroma of your presence everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.